today on the Main Quest Podcast. It's Kirby's Adventure. Another episode of the Main Quest Podcast, the number one retro gaming podcast that is big enough to sue Apple. As always, I am your host, Keith, and my knee feels great. And I know out of context, that is really, that's a really weird thing to say. Back in February, uh, I really fucked my knee up. It was like one of those injuries where I instantly knew that this uh, injury could be life-changing. Like, I'm not fucking paralyzed or anything like that, but uh, it it was one of those things where I'm just like, I'm old enough now to know that uh, at this point, this injury will stay with me for the rest of my life. And so now I'm going to physical therapy, and the pain in my knee, uh, it's got its on and off days. Like today, today was one of those off days where it just felt real off, felt like shit almost all day. And I went to my physical therapist, and uh, it feels great now. It feels great now. And speaking of being old, uh, my birthday was last week. Well, at the time of this recording, technically my birthday was yesterday. It was Monday the 24th. But I went out out over the weekend, and normally I kind of like to be a little low-key on my birthday. I can only really remember one time where I, I planned out a pretty large day for myself otherwise it's really no big deal uh but considering how things have been how heavy the world is the weight uh i felt like i should probably go out and socialize nothing crazy uh your boy's a little too old his liver's a a little too weathered uh for multiple substances but uh i gathered up a group of friends uh played some games had a few drinks uh headed out to one of those um escape rooms we failed but it was it was fun nonetheless one point of the night though uh i got to the point where i i I pushed it a little i pushed the drinking a little too far i usually never get to that point anymore but um who knew that you know three shots of tequila in, in 20 minutes can really shoot through your fucking system so i was like you know just in case i'm gonna go hang out in the bathroom uh, for a few minutes, gather myself, regain some of my composure. And as I'm sitting there, like, this dude bursts into the bathroom and is like, Have you heard of cocaine? Like, he was like a pedophile trying to explain to me what TikTok is. He was so, like, overexcited. He was like, he was like, it's, it's crazy, my guy. If, if you saw it, you'd believe it. Have you seen it? Cocaine. You know, Cocaine. Or you know, you know where it's whereabouts? Have you seen the photos on Instagram? Cocaine. It's kind of like he like it's kind of like he saw Bigfoot for the first time or something like out out in the wild or I don't know. He probably he was probably just a cop. I didn't I didn't really look at him and I was kind of like you know face I was slightly bent over facing the toilet, but also I was like, no man, just like, dude, fuck off. Luckily he you know he didn't stab me and I didn't vomit. Drink responsibly, kids. And uh, speaking of kids, 
uh, I did want to kind of touch on the shit going down between uh, Epic, Apple, and Google since I brought it up at the top of the show. Well, come to think of it, like I, 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 Google's just sort of chilling in the corner, but I'm sure they'll have to throw down at some point. Now, if you don't have kids and you're my age, you might not know what's going on with Epic Games and Apple. So here's kind of the short version of what's happening. So Epic Games got their store. So basically virtually all of their games pulled from Apple's App Store and later Google followed as well. Now, this is all because Epic found a loophole where they could use a link in their own store to send people to if they wanted to purchase microtransactions, thus sending all the money directly to Epic and foregoing giving a cut to Apple. Well, this obviously didn't go over well with Apple, as this was just a clear breach of uh, their terms of service or contract or whatever they had with Epic Games. Now, I'm not 100% sure if this is the case with everyone on the App Store, but in Epic's case, uh, they had to pay Apple 30% of the profits. And as fucked up as that is, it seems to be a normal practice, something Google uh, is doing as well, which, you know, the same situation led to them also pulling Epic off their App Store, upsetting billions of 10-year-olds all over the globe. So now multi-billionaire company Epic Games is playing the victim. Uh, because the other multi-billionaire companies are, quote-unquote, bullying them. You know, Epic is crying so hard that, you know, 24 hours later, they had an entire campaign lined up to get their fan base fired up to rally against the big old mean tech giants uh, by making a parody of their famous uh, dystopian 1984 commercial. It's funny, though, that Epic is blaming Apple for taking their game down. Because Epic took their game down. They knew they were breaching their contract. Not that it's surprising. It's, it's not the first time Epic Games has done some idiotic, vile, stupid shit. Now, in their defense, someone should stick it to these companies. 30% of the profit is a lot of fucking money. But also, maybe... Spending money on a fucking dance and a Moogle costume isn't maybe the best use of your money, but I don't know. I'm fucking 34 years old. But the way Epic is handling everything is just uh, completely fucked up, which I'm not surprised that, again, a multi-billion dollar company is acting real shady. And when you think about it, it's just as fucked up that it takes a multi-billion dollar company to actually make the wheels uh, start to turn. You know, look at it this way. I know some game developers, people who have games on the Apple Store, uh, the Google Play Store, and what have you, who, who don't have a chance in hell of getting through to Apple or Google to talk about shares and, and profits, to really negotiate uh, the terms and where the money goes. And if those hardworking game developers pulled what Epic is doing, not only would it go completely unnoticed, but it would ruin them financially. 
Do you think Apple and Google pulling the multi-billion dollar company Epic Games is going to affect them in any way? I dare you to tell me with a straight face yes. I will pause this show and slap you right in your face with your fucking phone and then press play. I mean, really, like, if, if you're living in America, how can you see that this doesn't actually matter? How can you honestly pick a straight face, pick a side? It's three multi-billion dollar companies fighting over that you are not paying them enough money. And I say America specifically because, I mean, I mean, this shit has been going on for ages, but I feel like with COVID, with the pandemic, uh, the past few months, the current has been pulled back. Now, more than ever, we are seeing how corporations, specifically in the U.S., uh, just do not give a fuck about anyone. They just care about themselves, and these multi-billionaire companies earned multi-billions over the pandemic. While you're out of work, you're worried about getting sick? Really? Get the fuck back out there and work. I have a family to feed down at my summer home in Daytona Beach. You want hazard pay? How about you're fired? It's the American way. I guess it's like, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. I feel for your parents out there. Little Timmy can't play Fortnite on your iPad anymore. Little Karen can't do whatever you do in Fortnite on your Galaxy Note. Who the fuck actually plays mobile games anyway? No disrespect to the game devs, but I think even they'll agree that if you're making a mobile game, it's probably your first, and the idea is, you know, is to kind of build a portfolio and work your way up to a bigger company or studio. I think anybody who makes mobile games for a living is probably just soulless and is just pumping their games full of microtransactions anyway. I think the only other place that could probably compare to the diarrhea vomit that uh, our mobile app stores is Nintendo's eShop. But I, I, with with all this said, I, I think I've I think I've given enough attention to these multi-billionaire companies. Because in my opinion, honestly, fuck all three of them, fuck them to hell. So speaking of Nintendo and multi-billionaire companies, uh, let's suck and spin our way into Kirby's Adventure. case of did I really have this game as a child? I didn't even know there was a Kirby game for the NES. After all, Kirby's humble start was less than a year earlier on the Game Boy, which was of course my introduction to the franchise. And as a kid, 1992 and 1993 may as well have been the same same fucking years. A seven-year-old has no concept of time. But in my defense, both games are more similar than they are different. Including today's game, I've only played four or five Kirby games altogether, which is kind of crazy. 
does Smash Brothers count? Is like is Smash Brothers canon to to the Kirby franchise? I mean, after Dreamland, it it wasn't until 2002's remake of Adventure that uh, I played another Kirby game. So technically, I have played the GBA version of Kirby's Adventure or Nightmare in Dreamland, as it's called, but I don't think I actually even played the fucking game in that version either. Nightmare in Dreamland did have an updated adaptation of Adventure, but also included a ton of mini games. Most of them returning from the NES original, as well as an entire game dedicated to Meta Knight called Meta Nightmare. I played the fuck out of the mini games on that game, and um, and Meta Nightmare, but still avoided playing the original game itself. I think I was just confused. I haven't played Dreamland since I was very young, and playing a bit of Nightmare in Dreamland, and the first boss being Wispy Woods, I think I just thought, like, oh, this is just a remake of Dreamland. And then just didn't give a shit about it. Listen, Kirby and I have a very complicated on-again, off-again relationship. I can't be with someone hungrier than me. It's it's kind of like a territory thing. Don't go, don't go in my fridge without, without me knowing about it. Similar to New Adventure Island, I'm not going to go crazy with the history of the Kirby franchise itself on this one, because on a future episode I will be talking about Kirby's Dreamland. It'll definitely be fun to try and figure out how the hell Sakurai even conceived uh, the idea of Kirby in the first place, but for now, Kirby's Adventure is a platforming game developed by Hell Laboratory and published by Nintendo, backed by some of the most ruthless, baddest, threatening mob of motherfuckers in the gaming industry. This cute-as-fuck game was directed by Masahiro Sakurai, produced by Taku Shimizu, Shigeru Miyamoto, and the God Emperor himself, Satoru Iwata. Kirby's Dreamland, excuse me, Kirby's Adventure was released in Japan on March 23rd, 1993, and two months later in the US for the Nintendo. After the success of Kirby's Dreamland, Sakurai was asked to port it to the NES, which honestly makes sense considering it's 1992, a lot of people own a Super Famicom or a, a Super Nintendo respectively, or at least have some other sort of popular, you know, 16-bit console. You know, like the, the Turbo Graphics. No? But Sakurai, who we now know has a death wish, was like, I'll do you one better. I'll make a whole new game for this dying console. It's like the equivalent of, of getting NBA 2K20 for the Xbox 360. Why would you even own an Xbox? I kid. I kid. But honestly, Microsoft, you are doing a terrible job at selling me a brand new system. So Sakurai's uh, intent with Dreamland was to captivate the minds of children and make it just as easy to play through. I mean, I fucking did. It might have been one of the first games I, I ever beat, but the NES had been out for almost nine years at this point, and he wanted to make something a little more challenging for those already familiar and uh, for people who were coming into the franchise fresh-faced. And bushy-tailed. 
like the Tanuki suit. Yes, saved it with a reference. All right. Whether he was successful at making a more difficult game is debatable. Actually, it's not debatable. It's still really easy. Uh, but developing the game was uh, proved to be much easier as the team was highly skilled at making games on the console at this point. I mean, when you have Awada helping you program your game, you're in good fucking hands. And as I mentioned before, the game was remade in 2002 and repackaged as Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland for the Game Boy Advance. Everything has been retained from the original 1993 release, but uh, with minor gameplay tweaks and of course enhanced visuals. They added the minigames as well, as well as the side adventure for Meta Knight. And since 2002, Kirby's Adventure has been ported to the eShop for the 3DS, the Virtual Console, the NES Mini, and the Switch Online app, which was my preferred way to play Kirby's Adventure, just because it was nice to be able to pick it up and play it during my breaks at work. So I turned the game on, and while getting my notes ready for the show, I let the intro roll for quite some time and, and looked up, and the entire game was literally laid out before me how to play it, uh, what enemies there are, what power-ups you'll come across, and even the story. So thanks for listening. Uh, you can get a hold of me at mainquestpod at gmail.com. Uh, make sure you check out my Instagram. So I'm essentially going to read what the game sets up story-wise. One day, the peaceful life of Dreamland was shattered by a mysterious crisis. The inhabitants didn't dream. On the edge of Dreamland, Dreams and hope once gushed forth from the dream spring, fueled by the star rod. Investigating the dream spring, Kirby found naughty King DDD swimming in its magical waters. DDD had broken the star rod and given the pieces to his friends, who were now hiding in dreamland. To bring back the lost dreams, Kirby sought the star rod. As the story is being told to us, uh, there's an image of King DDD literally swimming in the spring, and it's fucking hilarious. Like, what a Chad move. Fuck Kirby. Also, I recently learned DDD is a penguin. All this time, I, I guess I never really put any thought into what he actually was, because honestly, what the fuck is Kirby? That's where my thoughts go to. Also, I can't help but think of that piece of shit Carlos Mencia every time I say DDD. I was going to put a clip of him in there every time I say DDD, of him saying DDD, but I'm like, uh, nah, I don't, I don't want to give him any attention. That, that joke is fucking stupid. Carlos Mencia is fucking stupid. Anyway, Kirby's adventure is pretty straightforward and is actually really fucking refreshing to play after Final Fantasy. The game is broken up into seven areas, and these areas basically serve as a hub world that contain doors that take you to each stage. Every hub area contains five or six stages, with the last stage being a boss fight. Also within these hub areas are doors to minigames, which will naturally unlock as you progress through the game, or become available once you find a hidden area in one of the stages. Before I talk about the stages themselves, let's get into the biggest addition to the very characterization of Kirby, and that's his ability to copy the abilities of his enemies. This was something I thought was always a part of Kirby. The, uh, the one thing he's known for the most is not in his first game, but it's here in the second one, Adventure, 
where swallowing his enemies whole, he is able to breathe fire, wield a sword, fly a UFO, sing, turn into a tire. This whole game, it's Sakurai as fuck. We're getting into the territory of games where it's pretty pointless to talk about enemies individually unless they're of note. And Kirby's adventure is jammed full of all kinds of enemies for Kirby to eat here. There are some enemies that will not provide any benefit to Kirby, and similarly, there are power-ups that are completely useless. I'm looking at you, Ball. I don't, I don't know what the Ball power-up does. Besides for allowing Kirby to bounce like a ball, I, I've tried to hit enemies with it, and it doesn't do anything. It just damages me. So... I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just fucking dumb. I couldn't figure out how it worked. Sleep is even worse because Kirby literally just falls asleep. I found the most OP power-ups to be the UFO. Uh, this thing literally allows Kirby to fly wherever you want him to and also has access to like three forms of an attack. There's two different laser beams, and if you hold A and charge your shot, it fires a larger beam. Spark and Freeze are also pretty good in my opinion because if you combine that with Kirby's natural ability to slide around the stage, you can just get right up in somebody's face and uh, either freeze them and use their bodies as a projectile, or just straight up kill them with electricity. Then of course there's Mike, where Kirby sings or yells into a microphone and clears the entire screen of enemies, and that's something I'm gonna go into uh, a little more detail in uh, my cheats section uh, a little bit later. But every stage here is expertly crafted to handle any power-up you choose to go with. And it's not like every stage has only one type of enemy. There's quite uh, the variety in every stage, and it's up to you to decide which power-up you want to go with. The way the game is designed, you're actually encouraged to try out different power-ups. Of course, you could go through the entire game not picking up a single power-up. The game is super easy, and I guess doing that would allow you to make the game pretty challenging. Kirby can damage enemies by dropping on them if he's falling from a significant height. Again, he has a slide ability, which takes out enemies upon contact. His floating or flying ability comes over from Dreamland, so breathing on an enemy will also kill them when you exhale. The 2020 port of this game actually removes that ability as Kirby is now required to wear a mask. There are many boss fights uh, scattered throughout the game and defeating them allows Kirby to consume them as well and take their abilities. Every couple of stages you'll run into the Meta Knights, who are Meta Knights Knights. Yeah. So, you'll have to fight five or six of them at a time, though they all share the same health meter. They're super easy, just inhale them. The regular bosses are pretty easy too, but at least they're fun and interesting. The fight with Krakow, which is this giant cloud with an eye in the center, is always fun because you could argue it's probably the most difficult. There's two parts to the fight. Uh, the first part, Krakow chases Kirby, which 
I thought I was going to have a bitch of a time with because Crackle like rubber bands around Kirby really easily. But I noticed that if Kirby momentarily exhales and then immediately keeps flying, Crackle will stop chasing him. And then the last part of the fight takes place on top of a castle in which Crackle just starts dropping different objects and, and lightning on Kirby and, and chasing him around the stage. And so I keep I keep mentioning Meta Knight, uh, who is a pretty popular uh, Kirby antagonist. Uh, he's kind of turned into like a anti-hero, sort of, kind of like King Dedede. Meta Knight's series introduction is in this game, and his boss fight is actually pretty cool. You just kind of walk into the boss arena, pick up a sword, and have a good old fucking sword fight. It doesn't get any better than that. Also, Meta Knight is just a black Kirby. What is Kirby? What is Kirby's, like, race? What What are they? There are multiple Kirbys, like, multiple Yoshis. Like, are there more Kirbys in the other games? I haven't played the other games. Are there, are they just, like, a people? Like, Yoshis are all different, and they're all, like, a clan. They're different colors. Are Kirby's the same thing? Because Meta Knight is just a Kirby. Maybe I'm just asking too much from Nintendo. Nintendo's characters are quite mysterious i like how they've tried to explain link and the legend of zelda and stuff like that so don't man i don't know i'm stuck i'm stuck because it's like some of that just leave it doesn't matter just leave it but man honestly like like low-key what is kirby Talking about bosses, uh, man, I'm looking at the time. This is going to be a shorter episode. It's it's a pretty short game. It's nothing that we haven't already really experienced already. It's just a very refined early platforming game. But let's just wrap up our story, I guess. So we finally get to DDD, which it's not an incredibly hard fight at all. Um, I went into the fight with no power ups, so it just took me a really long time to beat him. And I say really long time, it probably took like six or seven minutes. Um, but that's pretty long for any of the boss fights in this game. So once you beat him, uh, Kirby gets the star rod. And as he's returning it to the fountain, DDD is literally tugging at Kirby, pleading him not to return the star rod to the fountain. Kirby does this anyway, because fuck King DDD. And upon doing so, Nightmare comes flying out of the fountain. So it turns out, DDD isn't the main villain after all, and is sort of like, you know, the Vegeta to Kirby's Goku. You battle Nightmare. Uh, he has two forms. The first part has Kirby chasing down an orb, like a, a orb version of Nightmare. The game kind of briefly turns into a side-scrolling shooter and is on a timer, though the game doesn't tell you that the boss fight's on a timer. This is the only boss that I actually died a few times on because... If you don't kill him fast enough, the orb will just fly off screen and Kirby will just die. The second part of the fight is Nightmare himself, which is the most Sakurai-ass Sakurai boss design. Sakurai likes to have very juxtaposed character designs in his games, so Nightmare kind of looks like this weird Castlevania Dracula monster with like a huge cape, which doesn't fit the vibe of the game at all. It still looks really cool. It's just 
kind of surprising. He's not difficult. All you have to do is just wait until he leaves an opening for you to attack him. Now, I know that I'm only two episodes into the Nintendo era, but I'm going to call it here. This is the best, no doubt the best, looking game on the Nintendo. In terms of animation and style alone, we'll get to the music. This game is wonderfully designed. It looks so great. I already mentioned that there was an all-star team behind this game, and so late into the console's life, they really displayed what the NES could do with the right people programming for it. The cartridge for Kirby's Adventure is a whopping 6 megs, which at the time is one of the biggest, if not the biggest games for the NES. Upon first playing, you know, the first few levels, some of the colors just kind of seemed a little off, like something about them looks kind of, they look kind of dull or pale or like washed out. And then there's the the status menu at the at the bottom of the screen or the status bar or whatever you want to call it at the bottom of the screen looks absolutely ugly. It's like this uh, dark orangish color and it just kind of looks weird compared to uh, the colorful levels that you'll be playing. The first area of the game, the Vegetable Valley, really showcases what the game has to offer and, and what you're going to see from there on out and, and is probably one of the more memorable and diverse areas of the game. There are levels where you can kind of tell the programmers needed to rein the color palette in a little bit because there would either be, you know, too many enemies on screen or maybe that particular area of the of the level is really large because on the, on those particular levels the background palette will just be one solid color and it, it kind of looks a little looks a little eh, I don't know, I'm not a fan of it. To me, it just seems a little a little too jarring uh, compared to all the uh, other more colorful, detailed areas. But more often than not, while I was playing Kirby's Adventure, I mean, I almost completely forgot I was even playing an NES game because of just how great everything looks. And that's also due in part to just how great the sprite animations are for, for everything. Especially just, let's talk about Kirby himself. His, his characteristics are fantastic. Not even including, you know, the 24 abilities, which all have a plethora of different animation styles themselves. Just seeing Kirby puff up as he flies around, uh, the way he scrunches when he lands, how angry he looks when he's sliding around the ground, his dances after beating a boss. You know, Bonk's Revenge came out just a few years earlier on a more powerful console, and that game just barely scratches the surface of how expressive these characters can be. Before we move on to cheats and the music, I just want to quickly go over the minigames. There's not much to them, and doing these minigames only nets you an extra life, which you will have plenty of anyway by the end of the game. I beat the game only dying a few times, uh, most of those coming from uh, Nightmare, and then beat the game with maybe 27 lives left over. So Crane Fever is a mini game that is basically just uh, one of those crane games where you grab a uh, plush doll and have to get it back to the slot. This game isn't difficult at all. It's not even close to as difficult as its real life counterpart. In fact, uh, I always went for the fat Kirby and, and never dropped it once. So it's a really easy game to go back to if you unlock it and you get 
four additional lives if you're able to uh, grab that fat Kirby. Grab that fat Kirby. That's a euphemism for something. Come here, girl. Let me grab that fat Kirby. <laughs> um, what am I fucking talking about? The other mini game is Egg Catcher. DDD tosses a bunch of eggs and bombs at Kirby, but you are only supposed to swallow up the eggs. And the last and best mini game, in my opinion, is Quick Draw. This mini game is basically a Wild West standoff with different enemy tiers. There's an invisible timer that counts down, and Kirby must draw his gun faster than his opponent. Quick Draw is also just another example of how delightfully animated this game is. So, before we head into the last section when we talk about music, let's talk about cheats. So you sorry! Made me sick, you fucking slut! Who is this dirty whore? I didn't see that. gonna win so there's one cheat for this game and technically it's more of an exploit or a glitch but i'm counting it as a cheat as it makes kirby essentially completely invincible throughout the game there is a power-up which only shows up maybe five or six times in the game and that's the mic power-up and again if you already forgot it completely clears the entire screen of enemies but the catch is that you can only use it three times before Kirby returns to normal. So there's an opportunity to get this power up during the second boss fight, Paint Roller. What you have to do is you hit the boss with three normal attacks and then wait for him to draw the microphone power up. Grab that ability and use it twice. And then before killing the boss, make sure you center yourself in the center of the screen, jump up, and while you're in midair, use the mic ability. This causes Kirby to grab the star rod, but use the ability at the same time, and it glitches the game out, allowing you to use the mic from here on out 256 times. I tried this out myself, and it works like a fucking charm. Though every time you use it, the entire screen kind of glitches out, like all the sprites get all fucked up and everything, but it also makes the game incredibly boring. And the game is already pretty easy to begin with but uh this just kind of this cheat just kind of ruins everything so it's a neat little thing that you can do but i don't really think it's worth it all right um let's see how are we on time we have plenty of time there's plenty of time so uh let's continue on with the next segment we'll just roll right into another segment i actually don't have a catchy name for this yet i'll, I'll Think of something eventually. But what I do have is a nice little song to go with this uh, this time around. And, and it should come in right now. And so this is the part of the show where I'm going to read your review of the game that we're talking about. Every week on Instagram, I will put out a new ad for you guys to check out for, you know, whatever the upcoming episode is. And uh, I will ask you guys to submit your reviews about that particular game. And so right now, I think it still stands. I think we're at Battletoads, Adventures of Lolo, and The Last of Us Part 2. All that stuff is on the table right now. You can send your reviews to me on Instagram. You can send me a DM. That's at uh, the main quest. Otherwise, shoot me an email at mainquestpod 
at gmail.com. And so I have a few reviews here, um, all coming through Instagram. No emails. I gotta pull them up first. So the first one we're gonna start out is from a friend of the show, and it's Bo, uh, one of the boys from the Donoron podcast. Again, if you uh, didn't listen to the last episode, I, I gave them a shout out, a huge shout out there. Uh, if you guys aren't following them or listening uh, to their show, uh, you definitely should if you are interested in video games. They cover all sorts of different subjects that are uh, directly related to video games and video game adjacent. So, uh, Bo says, Dude, Kirby's Adventure is so good. Like, we are still using... I'm reading... The... I'm going to read these verbatim. So this is this is what, what he said. Like, we are still using that level structure in platformers. Like, to this day... Kirby games are judged by how similar, not how different, they are to this game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, it's it's funny because I just had a discussion with Bo over us disagreeing on a lot of things. And honestly, like I, I listen to Donoram just about every morning. And uh, when Bo talks about specific stuff, I'm always sitting there at work vehemently disagreeing. But... But in all honesty, I think uh, we we agree on a lot more than than we don't. And this is one of those cases. I mean, it, it's weird that, you know, I, like I said, I don't remember Kirby's Dreamland too much. And, and, and in doing, you know, what little research that I, I do on this show and, and then playing Kirby's Adventure and just realizing uh, how fundamental Kirby's Adventure is over Dreamland... You know, looking, you know, from what I can remember of Kirby's Dream Land, there's not a lot to it. It's, I mean, granted, it's a Game Boy game. There's there's not a whole lot that they could do at the time. It was an early Game Boy game. And so it's kind of crazy that, you know, the second entry in a franchise would basically be the tentpole for, you know, what comes after it. And uh, I think I, I mentioned before, you know, it's really the gold standard as far as, you know, Kirby game goes. and And I think... In a way, because of that, uh, that's how my memory of these games kind of get mashed up because they are so similar. And that's going to kind of lead us into this uh, second comment, which comes from the 8-Bit Jazz Heroes. Now, the 8-Bit Jazz Heroes are a Southern California jazz cover band, and they cover various video game soundtracks. And they are a band that I have been following for a while now. Go check out their Instagram. Uh, right now they're doing like quarantine covers, basically. They're taking requests. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what the turnover is. Maybe a, a week or so. And they come back and they will kind of play like a little cover, little little jazzy cover of whatever you requested. And it's it's they're really cool. Really fucking good covers. It is a little weird that on their album they don't have any Kirby songs. Maybe that's something, uh, maybe that's a little something that they uh, can take care of next time around. Anyway, um, I don't have a specific name from them. They didn't, they prefer not to say, which is fine. So as a whole, the 8-Bit Jazz Heroes say, I played Kirby's Dreamland and Kirby's Dreamland 3 religiously as a kid. I didn't even know Kirby's Adventure existed until they put it on that collection of NES games released for the Switch Online service. Played like a half hour, thought, this is fine, but it's no Dreamland 3, and then it just kind of erases itself from my memory. 
yeah, it's kind of how I felt about with my review for Super Mario Brothers. It's kind of the same reason why I couldn't really recommend that game. As legendary as it is, how important it is. I mean, there's better Mario games to play. And so I'm going to probably recommend, you know, is Super Mario Brothers in everybody's top five Mario games? Probably not. Um, so I, I could see how it's kind of like if you're playing, you know, Dreamland 3 and you never knew Kirby's Adventure existed, which, hey, man, I don't blame you. I I did not know Kirby's Dreamland existed either. I think I mentioned that earlier. I, I had no idea that the Nightmare in Dreamland remake was actually a remake of an NES game. And so and then it kind of goes runs into um, what I was saying before with Bo's comment is that I, I don't know what the mechanics are of Dreamland 3. Is there a Dreamland 2? But those must have a lot of the same mechanics of uh, Kirby's Adventure. So I, I just kind of feel like, yeah, if you just kind of forget about Kirby's Adventure, I, I could agree they all, like I said, I have no memory of most of the franchise. So it just kind of seems to all run together. It's it's kind of weird how that works. So yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I kind of see where you're coming from. And then finally, uh, the last comment comes from Brad. And before I get to that, Brad, Brad, what, like, why aren't you following me on Instagram? This was, you know, you, you gave a nice comment to me, DM me, uh, but I can't help but notice that you're not following me. And so, I mean, it just, it doesn't, it's, it's free. Like, just hit that follow button. Like, that's all you got to do, my guy. Like, what are you, you're just trying to get in, get in like a, a free comment. You're just trying to get in. Get in on the podcast, you know, just kind of slide in. Then you slid into the DMs. You're trying to slide into the podcast, my guy. Hit that. Come on, Brad, hit that follow button. Anyway, uh, Brad says, Kirby's Adventure is really easy to pick up and play. And in 2020, really holds up as a nice vacation from the rest of the world. It's not flashy and doesn't do anything special, but it is one of the best NES games out there. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree. I, I don't know about, I mean, yeah, technically it's not flashy, but I think, like I said, I mean, I'm speaking pretty early here. I'm only three games into the NES uh, portion of this show, but uh, this is probably going to be uh, the best, easiestly, the best looking game on the NES. Uh, so that's it. That's all I've got for this section. And um, And if you guys would like to have your comments read on the show, uh, for some upcoming episodes, I think, you know, like I said, we've got Battletoads, The Adventures of Lolo, and The Last of Us Part 2 coming up. You can shoot me a DM on Instagram. Uh, that's the main quest. Or you can send an email my way. That's mainquestpod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you guys. Positive or negative thoughts doesn't matter. The world wouldn't be interesting without opposing views, would it? This is a judgment free area of the show you can say whatever you want about the game good or bad whatever it doesn't matter judgment free zone except for the rest of the show i'm gonna judge the hell out of the game <laughs> so so that leaves me to thank Bo over at the donoran podcast the 8-bit jazz heroes and brad for all writing in and giving me your thoughts on kirby's adventure thank you guys thank you so much so getting into the music i'm i'm not going to say this is the best music on the nes i'm not ready to say that it could be but i'm not calling it like i did with the graphics but what i can say 
is that this is the S tier. This is the upper echelon of soundtracks that we've heard so far for the podcast. With some help from senior composer Jun Ishikawa, Hirokazu Andu manages to create a high-fidelity original soundtrack that really fits the atmosphere of Dreamland. There are some returning tracks from the first game, but they're much more fleshed out with the way the programmers were able to unlock the true potential of the NES. There are new tracks here as well, some that will go on to become the backbone of the series. With 51 tracks in total, 51, Kirby's Adventure is easily the most varied soundtrack that we've had on this show so far, and again, one of the best we've had. Better than Bomberman 93. Yeah, I said it. Fuck it. Kirby's Adventure soundtrack is better than Super Mario Brothers. We've got Butter Bridge, Orange Ocean, the Invincibility theme, fucking Green Greens. My guys, Hirokazu Andu has composed an OST for, at the time, is completely unfuckable with. There's not much else to say about Kirby's Adventure, it's a fucking delight from start to finish, and there's enough variety in enemies and abilities that each level seems more fresh than the last. So would I recommend Kirby's Adventure in 2020? Absolutely. Play this game. If you can't tell, uh, this has probably been the most positive episode that I've put out in a long time, and I think Kirby's Adventure positively reflects all of that. It is a little positive shining gem uh, in the podcast so far. Honestly, the only two drawbacks that I can think of, and these are kind of little nitpicks, is that uh, the game is too long. Like, after the fight with Meta Knight in Orange Ocean, I thought I'd be entering the last area, and technically I was, but it was filled with another six stages. So at that point, I just... I did the thing where I just I flew over each stage because I just kind of was done with the game. But that's that's just me. And I, I think if you take anything out, then the game is probably too short. It took me about three hours to play this casually. And if you know what you're doing, you can probably play this entire game, probably finish it in about an hour, or an hour and a half. And I think with the amount of levels uh, it's also kind of made worse just with how easy the game is. So it's just kind of like, man, can we can we end this already? It's kind of the same problem I'm currently having with a modern game, Ghost of Tsushima, right now. But the game is just really easy and just, just kind of boring after a while. Anyway, the, the other issue I had was uh, just the really bad frame rate drop. Like, holy shit, this game comes to a halt sometimes. And they happen quite often, and I think it's just because of how uh, many things can be happening on screen at the same time. But this is, like, really weird because this is still an issue on the Switch. Like, I played this entire game on the Switch, so, so like, what the fuck, Nintendo? You can't even fucking figure that out before you, you port it over? Like, what the hell? But honestly, again, like, those two things, they're, they're just small nitpicks and don't really ruin the game at all. This is easily one of the best if not uh, the best 
NES or Nintendo games out there. And there's multiple ways to play it. And even though it's it's not something I've come back to in a very long time, Nightmare in Dreamland is just as fucking good, especially with all the extra modes in it. And and plus, you get this game. So you can't go wrong. So yeah, I mean, Kirby's Adventure is a hard recommend. Like, hard, hard. Like, Blue Chew hard. Like, Raycon headphones hard. Like, Monster Mule Ginger Brew Energy Drink hard. I'm fucking poor. I need money. So that's it. Kirby's Adventure. Done. In the books. It's a quick little episode. Next week, we have another banger. But there's going to be a slight twist in the format of next week's episode. I'm not going to give it away. It's going to be fucking ridiculous. Uh, And it actually has absolutely nothing to do with the game that I'm going to be talking about. So before I get to that, um, if you have any questions for me, any comments on the show, any feedback, anything to make the Main Quest podcast uh, better to listen to, you can email me at mainquestpod at gmail.com. Check out the Instagram page at uh, the Main Quest, where I post tons of weird shit. Sometimes it has to do with this podcast, sometimes it doesn't. And then, of course, you have Twitter, at MainQuestPod. I'm not even going to joke about that this time. I, It's there. And I guess, um, oh, while I was on break, I don't know if I mentioned this. I might have made an Instagram post about it. Uh, but we're finally on Apple Music. So I guess if I know there's a couple Apple users listening to this show uh, using that app, uh, do the thing, rate it five stars. Uh, I heard if you rate five stars and leave a review that it gets the show out there and it's really good for the show. I have no data to back that up. That's just something that I hear about on other podcasts. So that's just something I guess I'm going to say. I have no proof of that working. If you leave one star in a review, it might help me out too. It doesn't really fucking matter to me. So I briefly mentioned it. We got a weird episode coming up next month. Next month? Holy shit. No, next week. It's the first in an extraordinarily popular franchise. It's Mega Man. So, until then, stay healthy, mask up, Black Lives Matter, and Epstein didn't kill himself. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week.